Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. to another episode of That's What People Do. I am James. I haven't changed and I'm joined by Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Who also has not changed. No, we are the same people. I think straight off the bat, we should apologise for the length of time it's in between episodes. It feels like a fucking eternity since we last recorded and I, I genuinely can't remember what what the fuck what was the episode? What was it? Uh, Typhoid Mary we did last episode. Oh, yeah. When was that? It was a couple of weeks ago, was it? A couple of weeks back. I, I was looking, actually, and we, I think we've done like four, five episodes for the year so far. Oh, bloody hell, it's 21st of March. Right, okay. So that, that should, <laughs> we should probably do something about that. And we are, <laughs> here we are, recording. Um, If you never hear this episode, it's because I've got a brand new swanky laptop, which I'm very excited about. Um, Brand new recording equipment, and I don't really know how to use it yet, so this is its maiden voyage. Yeah, and uh, for anyone who's thinking, oh, that sounds a bit off, I am currently sat in a hotel, um, mm. so I'm not in my usual place. There may be some echo. I will try my best to edit this out as much as I can, but it may slip in every now and then. So where, where is the hotel? Ex- uh, it's in, well, I'm still in Essex, where I'm from, um, but I'm just further up the road, so I'm about an hour away um, in a place called can- Harlow for a work um of course. Oh. Did, did, I'm assuming they paid for the hotel. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason yeah, why I'm staying at the hotel because it's for free. Yeah, make, make use of it. I'm not a lot. I love staying in a hotel like by yourself as well. It's just, it's a really nice feeling. It is, you know. It's quite exciting. Like just turning up at the hotel and you're like, oh, have you got a booking? I'm like, yes, it's under this yeah. name. And they're like, oh, excellent. And how long are you staying for? You're like, oh, just the one night. And you walk in and you're like, this is all mine for tonight. <laughs> Yeah, the entire room is yours. Like some, sometimes if the room has a bathtub, I never have bath. I'm not a bath person. I'm a shower person. But I'm like, I'm gonna fucking treat myself if the bathroom is nice. I just quite like you know using the bathroom with the door open. Yeah, yeah, you can do it. anything goes in a hotel. That's the beauty <laughs> of a hotel. Yeah. Right. So as mentioned, I think if I remember rightly, at the end of the episode, I gave away who this episode is about. It's Bert Troutman. Um. A German fella, Nazis are involved. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking James has done it again. I promise you, I haven't. It's 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 not going to go the way you think it's going to go. Um, and also, I think we should tell the story of how this episode came to be, almost four years in the making. So when Ryan and I sat down to first create this podcast, we met up with a with a dude who probably doesn't listen anymore. He's no longer a part of it. And then afterwards, we went to. Uh, a Weatherspoons, 
in in London by Buckingham Palace, like probably about a 15-minute walk from Buckingham Palace, and we sat down in this Weatherspoons, and we decided just to write down ideas that we had for the podcast. And one of mine was I wanted to do something about football because I love football, and I was like, I'm going to do something about football. But it quickly dawned on me that not everyone's into football, um, and it's really hard to find people that are genuinely interesting within that sport because most of them are boring fucks. So here we are, four years later, and I've found someone actually interesting that is to do with football. But <laughs> if you don't like football, please don't turn off because football is probably like, I don't know, 5%, 10% of this episode. His mm. life around the sport is fascinating. Like you're, It's genuinely really interesting. It's got something for everyone. It's got love, heartbreak, injury, sport, Nazis. It's got everything you want. So stay with me. I promise that- you it is fully worth it. That was going to be my uh, selling point for it. it. Was as it's James's episode, it's going to have Nazis in it, so that's worth staying around for. It's always got Nazis in it, even when even if I do an episode on like someone from the fifteen hundreds, I'll link it somehow. I'll find a way. <laughs> right. So let's just crack on with it, shall we? Bert Troutman was born in Bremen in Germany on October twenty second, and his his name was Bernhard. Carl Troutman. I just realised for some reason I deleted the year. I think it was 1923. It's something around there. Don't know why I deleted that. Um, but yeah, the Second World does play a Second World War does play a crucial part in the story. But it's not an episode about the horrors of the Second World War. It does touch on it at points, but largely it's nothing to do with that. Because this is a story about how because someone is just on the other side of a conflict doesn't necessarily make them a bad person. Having said that, at the age of 10, Bert joined Hitler Youth, which is a bit of a hypocritical thing to say after what I just mentioned. Um, But this was mandatory. Exactly. It was mandatory at the time. And as a young, impressionable man, you're going to get some kids. You're going to get swept up with things. And he was trained as a paratrooper during the Second World War. Now, Bert, he had blonde hair. He had blue eyes. He was very athletic. He was the fucking ideal Nazi, like Hitler's wet dream. So obviously he was going to like rise to the ranks quite quickly. A lot's written about his time in the military. Um, he was the perfect soldier. He would enjoy going to nearby towns to beat up Italian soldiers, despite them being on the same side. He would describe them as weak. That was just a fun little thing he used to do. That is fun. <laughs> it, everyone just everyone should go out and just beat up an Italian. Don't do that. The thing that. is, um, as well, like um, Hitler had this um, hierarchy of races. And thought that, you know, Aryans and Germans were at the top. And he saw, like, um, I think it was, like, the English as being, like, second. Um, but he had, like, the the Spanish and Italian and Mediterranean people as being, like, quite low in his mm. list of races. So it's like, although he was allied with the Italians for a little while... Um, he didn't see them as equals in any way, shape, or form, and I think that used to grate Mussolini quite a lot because he was like, "Oh, we're 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 equals, we're allies, and you know, between us, we're going to do this, that, the other." And Hitler's like, "Yeah, no, we're not. We're definitely not." No, they were just sort of pawns in his big game of chess. Absolutely. And I think they clocked it as well, and that's when they dipped. Which fair. So while fighting on the Eastern Front, Troutman found himself retreating from the Russians, which is probably not who you want to be fighting. Uh, and he was hit with a bomb. He survived the ordeal, and he later became buried under rubble for three days when fighting in France. He was then captured by Russians, but he managed to escape, and after being subjected to another bombing run, he was attempting to get home to Bremen when he was picked up by two Allied soldiers. Now, Bert, doing what he'd done before, attempted to run away from them, and he did. However, he only landed at the feet of a British soldier who allegedly said to him, Hello, Fritz, do you fancy a cup of tea? I like that. It's the most British thing you could ever say. It can it can be really polite or it can be really sinister. I think in this instance it's quite sinister. But oh wait, a sinister way of saying it. Yeah, sort of like I've got you now. You're gonna come with me and you're gonna have a fucking cup of tea. You're gonna be yeah. pleased about it. Yeah, yeah, and you're gonna be pleased about it. I like it. Yeah. Being captured in 1945, Bert was transported to Lancashire in the UK as a prisoner of war, and he was one of only 90 to survive from his regiment of a thousand men. While in captivity, yeah, I know, he was fucking lucky. Jesus. Yeah, they got bombed the shit out of, especially in 1945, the Germans were not having a good time. No. 
While in captivity, Troutman developed a love for football, and he played in matches between the German prisoners and British soldiers. He began his career as like an outfield player, and he was really fucking good, but after receiving an injury during a game, he refused to come off in typical Burt fashion, and he got stuck in goal and found that he had a knack for it. Because I don't know about like our friends in other countries or people that don't like football, but when you're playing football as a kid, there's two rules for the goalkeeper. It's either someone who's injured... Or, and forgive me for saying this, but it's the rules of the playground, the fattest person on the team. <laughs> See, Ryan's so laughing, true. and I know it's true. It's so that, true. That is who goes in goal. If you're, you know, I think there was three, right? So uh, you had your two, um, but the other one was if you're no good at football at all, but you still yep. want to play, you'd be like, oh, you can go in goal, and then we just hope that we don't get the ball anywhere near them. But yeah, yes. And then th- they get blamed when you lose. And let's, let's, let, listen, let's think logically here right the goal is a certain space right and that that it's a certain size it makes sense to just put the biggest person in yeah, that yeah. to plug cover the gap the area. a bit yeah. cover more area like come on kids know how you know circles don't go in squares or that kind of thing put the right person in the goal come on exactly um but then the athleticism is usually let down but that was just the yeah. cruel, cruel playground rules. We're all subjected to it. Um, I've never been the... F- I'm on the other end of it. I'm very skinny, so I never had to go in goal. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was a goalie for a little while when I first started playing football. Um, and then it was... I get distracted too much, so I wasn't paying attention ever. <laughs> yeah, you need to concentrate. Yeah. <laughs> Something that is evident and will become more evident is Bert never knew when to stop. His bravery would know no bounds and he would put himself through immense pain to achieve what he wanted. An admirable approach, an admirable approach, but also some might deem it as stupid. Bert would take credit, uh, Bert would then credit his training as a paratrooper for his athletic ability, as he said that his diving training meant that he knew how to fall without injuring himself. During his time in the camp, the prisoners were separated into three groups. Non-Nazis, unsure if they're Nazis, and unrepentant Nazis. And this was true in prisoner of war camps all up and down the country. Bert fell into the latter, with the British officers believing that he stood firmly for the Nazi ideals. Generally, it is quite true. Bert did embrace Hitler, and he was even awarded the Iron Cross for his bravery in battle. But this could be down to sort of the naivety of being a young man and getting swept up in propaganda, which is probably what happened with another a lot of other young German men. The story of Bert has been recently turned into a film called The Keeper, which is sort of I, how I got this episode. Is I saw a clip on TikTok. I thought that looks like a good film. And then I went and watched the film. And now you're listening to it. Mm. Um, and David Cross, who plays Bert, asked why Bert, what drove Bert to become known for his bravery and persistence and desire to be the best. Cross responded that it was anger and guilt. Because despite Bert being the model Nazi in his young age, one day in the forest during the war, this would undo everything he believed about the political party in command of Germany and what he was fighting for. Bert and a friend found themselves in the forest as the Einsatzgruppen, or death squads, marched a group of men, women and children into a trench where they were mercilessly murdered. Despite these crimes being common knowledge, the Nazis would prefer that the word of these mass killings didn't reach those who didn't need to hear it, so they'd often kill any witnesses, including German soldiers. Bert and his friend dropped to their stomachs, horrified at what they'd seen, and crawled out of the foliage, desperate not to be seen. Bert would often tell the story of that day, saying that it haunted him for the rest of his life, and he said, if I saw that when I was older, I probably would have committed suicide. Jesus. That, one day we will, and it'll probably be me that does so, we will cover <laughs> the Einsatzgruppen, because it's just... The fact that the Einsatzgruppen, they had a thing where... Um, there was something where like members who participated in that organization could only do it for so long because the sheer amount of killing that they were doing in the sheer brutal ways that they were doing it broke people. Of like, course. If you actually broke them. They're just killing children at point blank range for no reason. Oh, just absolutely horrific how they... Nah. Yeah. yeah, and some of these people, some of these people were like police officers before they started, and then went yeah, on yeah, yeah. to carry on being police officers afterwards. And it's like yeah, it's you guys are mass wild, murderers. Yeah, absolutely Crazy. wild. A lot of them were heavily drugged up while doing it just to be able to get through the day. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, it is. It's horrific. But Bert saw that firsthand, and in his later life as well, he'd often have a sense of guilt that he didn't do anything to try and stop it. But what could he have done? Well, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, we we've said this before. Not that we're saying this is the exact thing now, but we've said before where you know certain historical things uh, happen, but you live in that time, and to 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 do anything or to say anything in that moment, you have to be just like something special. Like um, Sophie Shaw, we did an episode on her. You remember the um, university student and her, mm-hmm. her brother and her friends who were like dishing out anti-Nazi leaflets in a time during the Nazi era and she died for that. And you yep. have to be a special kind of person, a really brave kind of person to speak out and do that. And I remember we asked the question, would we, if we were in that time, would we do that? If we're honest with ourselves, would we be that person? And I honestly don't think I would. And I'm not saying no. I'd be for it. I'm just saying I'd be a quiet um, anti-person. I probably wouldn't want to say it. I'd probably be too scared. So I do understand Bert to some degree. Yeah, uh, of course. You'd be terrified for your life as well. It also bleeds into sort of the the nearby towns to um, concentration camps. They knew what was going on, but what the fuck could they do? They just had to deal with it every day because they would be killed if they spoke out. Yeah, for sure. It's Honestly, it's such a difficult thing to admit and say. And I understand as well that like a lot of soldiers after the war or when they discovered this stuff being happening, they were going up to these towns and being like, did you know? And people Mm -hmm. were like, no and they're like how didn't you know and then like they were so angry with the townspeople for not doing anything um i just don't what i don't want and i hope this doesn't come across as such is that we are being apologist uh, uh what's the word i'm looking for uh we're not that we're being apologists for these people mm-hmm. for allowing shit like that to continue or whatnot that's not the case i'm just trying to uh, i think it i do think it, it yeah, I do think it's easy. It's it's important to contextualize it and in some way understand certain behaviors. And that, I mean, that's the whole reason we do this podcast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So while at the prisoner of war camp, one of Bert's jobs was to drive a British Jewish officer around. The Jewish officer was understandably very confrontational with Bert, though despite the horrors that he'd seen, Bert was kind of unsure as to why. Maybe because he was genuinely unaware of the Holocaust, or perhaps he thought that because he wasn't an active part in it, the Jewish officer's anger was misplaced. Either way, Bert would end up punching the officer after the guy got aggressive with him, um, with the Germans seeing that he did no wrong, and I think he had like two weeks in prison or something for it. Yeah, I mean, it's not a good look, is it? It's not a good look, Bert. You didn't help yourself there. No. He just just got got a bit emotional. Now, as we all should know, the Second World War ended in 1945, but that didn't mean that the prisoners got to return home to Germany immediately. German prisoners were ordered to remain in the UK to help clean up the devastation that German bombers had left, and it should also be noted that people from the UK went to Germany to help them rebuild as well. It was sort of like a I scratch your back, uh, you scratch mine sort of thing. Hmm. Bert was one of those who remained, and it was the task of the British to re-educate those who were deemed to be Nazis. And Bert was shown a video of the camps from the Holocaust that included mass graves, and they really hammered home the point of how horrific the Holocaust was in an attempt to ensure that the ideologies um, that had started it ended, and largely it did work. And Germany today continues to educate heavily on the Holocaust to ensure it never happens again. In 1946, Bert met Marion Greenall, a British woman who lived in Ashton in Makerfield, which is the most British village name ever, um, mm. sort of close to his prisoner of war camp. The pair kind of liked each other, and at the age of 19, she fell pregnant with Bert's child, and despite many complaints from her parents, he refused to marry her. So Bert's one of these people that falls definitely into, we talk about it a lot, into the grey area. He's done a lot of bad things. Um, you're probably thinking, James, he hasn't done anything good yet. Wait. But he, he's, he's very, he's very grey. Hmm. In 1948, the prisoners were finally allowed to go home, but not having much to head home for, Bert decided to stay in England as he enjoyed the laid-back lifestyle and wanted to continue practising his football. He signed for a local team, St Helens Town, and obviously people were really standoffish with him because they viewed Germany as the enemy, so you can, you can imagine what was shouted at him from the sidelines. Yeah. Regardless, Bert was a master of his art and proved to be a great goalkeeper. 
His unorthodox style meant he'd be diving at the feet of strikers and showing great athleticism in his diving ability. Basically, he revolutionised goalkeeping and it is now what it is today. I think, um, would... sorry to interrupt you there, as you were, um, this is also a time when goalkeepers did not wear gloves. No, no, no. Bare hands, leather ball. Like, bare hands diving at the striker's feet. And also, yeah. football gets a lot of stick nowadays for being, oh, they just fall over and they just dive and blah, blah, blah. This was a more contact sport back then. Like, mm-hmm. you could, as, as a, a, a term that we use in England for football, we, you could hack someone, which is proper, like, kick them, stamp on them. You could do all that shit. And that was... Not acceptable, but it was like, oh, it's part of the game. Just like, come on, let's move on. Um, and he's just jumping at their feet. Yeah, he is. He's a very brave man, especially them balls as well. The fucking heavy balls being leathered yeah. at you, like that would hurt. But as we've we've realised, Bert don't give a shit. Yeah. Now he would have to pay Marion ten shillings a week in child support for their daughter Frida, um, and he continued to turn heads with his ability between the sticks. So much so that when the Manchester City goalkeeper retired, the manager, Jock Thompson, decided that Burt was his ideal replacement. The issue with this was that Man City had a large Jewish following and the press picked up on Burt's past and revealed he had an iron cross and also the fact that he volunteered for the army. Despite the negative press and a protest of 25,000 people that flooded outside the stadium with placards that featured many anti-Nazi symbols, the club stood by their new goalkeeper. Eric Westwood, City's captain, who was noted as a war hero and had been part of the D-Day landings, he helped to remove the negative attention from Burt by publicly stating that the war was over and that it definitely wasn't ongoing inside the dressing room. That's good. But what really helped Burt's case was the communal rabbi of Manchester, Alexander Altman, publishing a paper urging fans to treat Troutman with respect. His comments said... Each member of the Jewish community is entitled to his own opinion, but there is no concerted action inside the community in favour of this proposal to force him out of the club. Despite the terrible cruelties we suffered at the hands of the Germans, we would not try to punish an individual German who is unconnected with these crimes out of hatred. If this footballer is a decent fellow, I would say there is no harm in it. Each case must be judged on its own merits. Yeah, that's fair. Which, considering this was four years after the war ended, that's fucking like that's big At of him least. to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's that's good. I like it. Um, it's almost like um, well, just let's. We need to move on. We need to. We need to carry on. That's I think, exactly. But I all I got from that is that we just need to move on. And I quite like that the um the English player as well was like, listen. The war's over, and we ain't carrying it on in our dressing room. Yeah, got to win yeah, games, people man. People rallied around him. Yeah, I can understand if like Bert was in his private times still wearing a uniform, or do you know <laughs> what I mean, like attending some rallies every now and then for some right wing people. I can understand that, but if he is genuinely just trying to get on with his life and just play football and play well, and as far as we know, not committed any war crimes that he could be tried mm-hmm. for then yeah why not go for it just get on with it um yeah exactly funny enough though <laughs> i do find it funny you said like it was man city that he signed for and it's like yeah man city are still getting in bed with some potentially shady people and this is the thing so if you're if you're not familiar with football like man city are a dodgy club um depending on how you look at it because in when was it 20 20 2009 2010 something around there 2009 yeah. maybe they got bought by um Qatar. Is it Qatar. They got bought by Qatar, which obviously, if you followed the World Cup as well, there's a lot of con- controversy around Qatar, their human rights record, and all of that. It's it's a bit dodge. And now, ever since then, they got heavily funded by Qatar and are now one of, if not the best team in the world. Mm, one of the most successful uh, teams going in recent yeah. history. Um, but yeah. yeah funny and that isn't it like you know even back in the day they were like ah oh, do you know what let's have a former nazi play for us he's good yeah they've <laughs> always always been on the testing boundaries yeah so the large-scale boycott planned for bert's first game was cancelled and although some did protest others and others handed in their season tickets most fans turned out in force to support bert and their team 
Now, obviously, Burt was still an easy target and fans would shout the word Nazi at him. But that's just British football in a nutshell. And I don't say that like lightheartedly. That genuinely is British football in a nutshell. Hmm. German players are still subjected to that today. And it was made clear when England beat Germany in the 2020 Euros, which took place in 2021 because of COVID. And the image of a young female German fan, I'm talking like seven to eight years old, was plastered all over Twitter with many laughing at her tears and calling her a Nazi. Football is the beautiful sport and it does so much good for the world. But like, it also shouldn't be forgotten that a bunch of morons also watch it and use it to unleash their tribalistic instincts as they shout racist, homophobic and bigoted views. It is a sport that is constantly shrouded in controversy in terms of racism and homophobia. It is a, it's a big conversation. Mm. Yeah, it, it's one of those... Um, it's a sport that, considering it is, for Britain anyway, the nation's sport, we call it the beautiful game, right? And yet it is still... 40 years back behind like there are in 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 a sport that is played globally thousands of thousands of professional players and you're telling me there are what three openly gay players in the world mm, i think similar like that yeah like that's 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 a joke surely like you you really telling me that every single person is a straight white male who's like just playing football? I, I don't know. I don't believe it. There was a so player like, that came out recently. His name escapes me. I think he plays in the Croatian league. I could be wrong. He is, and he yeah, came I think out. He is Serbian, isn't he? It's, it's something in that region, and the comments under it showed why players are scared to do so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, so and, and and what always confused me was like when players come out, a few that there have been. Everyone's like, oh, this is great. This is fantastic for the sport. You're like, no, no, no. This is not fantastic for the sport. You're telling me that like two players in Europe who play fairly good football uh, are the only two players that have come out. Like, that's not on. Clearly not enough people feel comfortable doing that. And it's because you get gammons like we saw when we went to go see Brentford. Like, oh, yeah. you, get, you get big gammons next to you screaming at the players. And you just think, yeah, it's people like you that are stopping this going forward it is wild isn't it that guy i know that guy is a dickhead he's always there because that's his season ticket seat and like he brings his kids with him to the game and he's dropping some of the most vulgar language like i know we're pretty liberal with what we say but the the words he was using in front of his kid was horrific yeah football fans can be very very bad and they yeah, give it they give the sport a bad name they give the sport a bad name yeah, especially when you see like two teams clash and they start fucking riots. I think it's the only sport in the world that literally will start wars. Yeah. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com/acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com/acast. So, where was I? There we are. What helped Troutman really gain the fan support, including those who didn't support Manchester City, was his ability as a goalkeeper. He would earn the nickname the Iron Man, which was clearly a reference to his Iron Cross, for his bravery and fearless ability to dive at the feet of onrushing strikers. As Ivan Ponting of The Independent eloquently wrote in 2013, a huge and commanding figure radiating authority between the posts, he combined agility and sharp reflexes with boundless courage and a highly developed positional sense. At times he was a showman, playing shamelessly to the gallery, and at other times he frustrated opponents with the apparent ease of his saves, gathering powerful shots calmly in his bucket-like, seemingly prehensile hands. Long story short, he was fucking good. 
Yes, basically. Yeah, he's just really good. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't write this down, but I'll say this now. Um, if you've ever heard of Lev Yashin, is that his name? I'm fairly sure. Yeah, Lev Yashin. He was a Soviet Union goalkeeper, and he is largely claimed to be the greatest goalkeeper to have ever played the game. There's awards named after him. like He was the best. And he was once quoted saying, and I can't quote because I didn't write it down. Someone asked him, who, were the, who was the best goalkeeper to ever have lived? And he said, there's only two world-class goalkeepers to have ever have lived. One was me, and the other was that German bloke, Troutman. I like that. He's still like, no, I am still the best. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he was like, he, he was. He wore a hat. He wore like a Peaky Blinder hat while playing. That's fucking oh, cool. Oh, that is cool. That is cool. Yeah. Well, I think he only played in Russia. But yeah, I think the best goalkeeper in the world award is literally called the Lev Yashin Award. Oh, I want to look up some Lev Yashin highlights now. I, I imagine shit. It's like if you look at Pele highlights, like, was he that good? Probably. Yeah. But that's he'd get so... fucking... He'd get classed so nowadays. True, man. Like it's one of those where I'm like, oh, it's for, these were the best, and blah blah blah. And you're like, listen, if you played any World Cup winning team before the '80s against any, I'd say mid-table team in the Premier League, it'd be an interesting game. Yeah, I think the sport's coming a long way in terms of like diet and training and stuff as well. They're proper like athletes now. Robert Lewandowski, for those that don't know, is a Polish player. Um, he has like a sleep coach as well as a food coach. Like, he has to sleep at specific times and all this kind of stuff. They've got coaches for literally everything. They micromanage their life so that they can continue to play on later and later and later and be the best. It's so interesting. And yet you get players that would have played in, like, the 1978 World, whatever, 1966 World Cup or something. And, like, before the game, they've just smoked 20 fags and they've just had, like, a slap-up full English brekkie in the morning. Do you know what I mean? Like... Yeah, the game has come on a long, long way. Oh, for sure. After playing a game at Fulham, where he was again subjected to brutal chanting from the fans, the game finished with the entire stadium clapping him off, and the players of both teams even joined in. Now, like that. something that the Germans and the English always seem to fight over is penalties. Penalty shootouts are the cruelest way to lose a game, and it seems that the Germans are the ones to beat England every time, even though I'm sure it's only like three times. It seems like they do it every fucking year. Burt adds to the stereotype as he saved 60% of all the penalties he faced in his career, which is a fucking staggering amount. Uh, someone is blasting a ball at you from 12 yards and you save 60% of them. That's yeah, wild. That Oh, just over half of every single one in your entire career. That's crazy yeah. stats. Because penalties are one of them things you have to dive and guess before the players kicked it. So he clearly got in people's heads. Easily the best keeper in England in the early 50s, legendary Manchester United manager Matt Busby once told his players, don't stop to think about where you're going to hit it with Troutman. Hit it first and think afterwards. If you look up and work it out, he will read your thoughts and stop it. I like that. Coming from Busby. Yeah, that's good. Just fucking hit and hope. Yeah, yeah. Just kick it. (laughs) As hard as you can. (laughs) That's so good. Traumann did get called up for the German national team, but not as a player. The West Germany boss had a rule that only players playing within the German leagues could earn a call-up. So Bert was brought on as a translator for the team, which given the fact that he was easily the best keeper from Germany, like, that's fucking stupid. Yeah, and some managers have some of the weirdest things. Like, Didn't we go for a phase where, like, if any English player that wasn't playing the Premier League, like, can't get a call up? Whereas, like, I mean, it's playing... basically the same now. Apart from Jude Bellingham, every English player plays in the Premier League. Yeah, but, like, if you played in Italy or something, you weren't getting a call up. And you're like, but they're great. Yeah, these leagues are good. Obviously, nowadays, is like I can't speak for leagues back then because I don't have a clue, but nowadays the Premier League is the best league in the world and will remain as, because just because money, the investment in it is mental. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, nowadays you get players from all over the world playing and then they come together. It's, it's mm. better. In 1955, Troutman became the first German to play in an FA Cup final, but they lost 3-1 to Newcastle United. But it was the following year when Burt and his team reached the final again that he would cement his name in British history. Now, in the UK, there is often a tale that does the rounds of a goalkeeper that once broke his neck in a game and continued to play on anyway. Have you heard of this story, Ryan? Yeah, I've heard of it. So this story is 100% true. And the goalkeeper that did this was our very own Burt Troutman. No way. 
we found him. In the closing minutes of the FA Cup final against Birmingham City, Burt dived at the feet of Peter Murphy, who looked sure to score. Colliding with the Birmingham player's knee, Burt broke his neck. Substitutions not being allowed, City would have to play the rest of the game with 10 men, and despite being 3-1 up, without Burt, it was sure to be a nervous ending, considering there was 15 minutes left. Miraculously, after being dabbed with a wet sponge and sniffing some sniffing salts, Burt was back on his feet, and although clearly in pain and clutching his neck, he would see out the rest of the game in goal. When collecting his winner's medal, the German was heard complaining that he had a stiff neck, and it wasn't until days later, after the final, that it was confirmed by an x-ray that he did indeed break his neck, and that he was incredibly lucky not to be paralysed, let alone be able to play the rest of the game. His second vertebra was broken in two and lodged against a third, which held the fragments in place, saving his life. Wow. That's... And this bloke just stood up. I mean, yeah, it's it. Goalkeepers are built different. We know this, right? Goalkeepers are strong as f, man. But that's that's on another level. That's it, I I would say it's actually stupid. Like, yeah, you should yeah, have just he he could have died. Yeah, he could have died. That's crazy. Yeah, but he got up and played fifteen more minutes, and then had an X-ray like three days later. I believe there's a saying in Germany. I can't remember exactly what it is but it's sort of like if you're going to do something you like you burt troutman it which means like you give it 110 percent, you don't give up i like that i like that which which fair it makes sense just don't go breaking your neck Mm. burt given his heroics during that season was the first foreign player to be awarded footballer of the year and despite being told that he would never play again due to his injuries he did return to the pitch Albeit not as acrobatic as before, he was still one of the greatest goalkeepers to grace the game. Sadly, Burt's life isn't all a positive story, as we've found out in the first half, but it takes a turn again. Because in 1950, before the final, he married Margaret Fryer, and the pair would have a son, John. In 1956, John asked his mother for some money to buy some sweets from the mobile confectionery shop on the other side of the road. His mother handed him what she thought was enough and the young boy made his way to get the sweets. Realising that he needed some more money, he began to run back across the road to his mother without looking and he was tragically hit by a car and died of his injuries. Margaret never recovered from this and it's said that she lost all interest in life after her son was killed, especially because she witnessed the entire thing. Bert and Margaret would go on to have two more children, Mark and Stephen, but despite all this, the love between the pair would never be the same, and they divorced in 1972. Despite the personal loss of his son, Bert fought back from injury and heartbreak and remained as the city goalkeeper until he was 40 years old in 1964, when he finally hung his gloves up, having etched his name not just into Manchester City history, but the history of football and the UK. He played 545 games over his 15-year career. That's a lot. He played a lot. Just go to 40 as well. I know goalkeepers nowadays, you, as a goalkeeper, you last longer than an outfield player. But even 40 now, you, you, you're pushing it. I mean, yeah, 40 back in his day when you've not got the physio stuff like you do today. Yeah. He's leaping and jumping on the floor. like, And that's hard floor as well. Remember, like the ground then different to grounds now like it was just the, mud then just straight just mud. mud and especially up in manchester where it's cold it's going to be it hard freeze. mud yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's impressive yeah. yeah and all after breaking his neck as well because mm. some players never come back the same from injury they'll be a bit more hesitant but <clears throat> harry kane <laughs> well okay <laughs> hot take hot take <laughs> After retirement, Burt tried his hand at football management with Stockport County, and although it was successful, following a row with the chairman, he would walk out. He was then hired by the German government to train coaches in Africa, as well as enhancing relations between Britain and Germany. So much so that in 1997, he was awarded the Order of Merit of the Federal Republic of Germany, and in 2004, he was awarded an OBE, which is an Officer of the Order of the British Empire, for his contributions to Anglo-German relations. After his second marriage lasted eight years, Bert married for a third time, and the pair ran a vineyard together in Valencia in Spain. Despite being in Spain, he remained close to Manchester City and would often watch English football on the TV. And he would say of the UK, 
My education only began the day I arrived in England. The British made me what I am. When I visit Germany, they say to me, be honest, you're English through and through. And I'm (laughs) mighty proud so to consider myself. I come back four or five times a year and I always think, great, I'm home. Ah, do you know what? That's hit me right in the feels. It, considering what, how it began, how how he got here, and he made it his home. Yeah, obviously yeah. the relationship with his wife broke down, but he, he raised a family here. He had a career. And and considering as well, like how hard the start was. Like, granted, yeah, he's in a prisoner war camp, but like even afterwards, when he's playing football, the abuse that he would have got. Oh, I wouldn't yeah. have, but I wouldn't have blamed him if he just packed up and went, nah, do you know what? Fuck it. I'll go play back in Germany. I'll go back. Like, But he yeah. stuck it out. He was like, nah, fuck it. Nah, he was I'm not a, hearing it. He was a persistent guy, as yeah. he demonstrated time and time again. But yeah, yeah he, what, what, a, what a story. But he sadly passed away on July 19th, 2013, at the age of 89, after he suffered a heart attack in Spain. But the That's timing good. of his death did mean he'd get to see Manchester City get purchased and the new wave of success start because they weren't always what they are today. He would see them lift the FA Cup in 2011 and win the Premier League in 2012, which mean he got to watch one of the most famous moments in footballing history when Aguero won the league for City uh, as the clock struck 93 minutes and 20 seconds and that saw them lift the trophy instead of their bitter rivals, Manchester United. That moment is wild. Like, oh, absolutely just, wild. I've got goosebumps just thinking about that moment again. Yeah. And I I grew up as a Man United fan. And honestly, I'm going to put the, the sound in so you guys at home can <laughs> what, just commentary? hear it. I'm going to put the commentary of that last, like, 20 seconds. Can that Rooney goal was enough for the three points. Manchester City are still alive here. Balotelli, Aguero! Oh man, oh, he's like Aguero. I can't like no one could do it. Yeah. No one could do it. It's just magic. It's magic, and it's moments like that that that's why James and I love the sport. It's moments like that. It is. It's absolutely wild. So it's really good that you got to see that before passing a year later. So yeah, you might not like football, but I thought Bert Troutman was a pretty cool story. Yeah, it absolutely was. That's fascinating. Like, yeah, like you said, it's one of those. Football, eh, footballers not that interesting, but some of them can be. This is, I'm not gonna lie, I've spent, I've genuinely thought about this for years because, like I said, I wanted to do it from the start. And I kept thinking, like, oh, should I do a member of the 1966 like squad? But, like, what the fuck did they do? Um, you could do a story on the uh Munich air disaster in Manchester United, yeah, which might make a good one, but I, I don't know. But this this one like genuinely sort of fell into my lap because we've all grown up, as Ryan like mentioned, we've all grown up hearing the story of the goalkeeper that broke his neck, but no one knows anything around him. And the fact that that goalkeeper had such an incredible story, mm. yeah, he really did. Uh, I'm just, I'm like I say, it really got that got me in the feels at the end. You know, he feels and considers himself to be an Englishman, and the fact that he got to see his club that he played for pretty much a one man club uh, a one club man as well oh yeah he only played for manchester city apart from like that sunday league team whatever he played for yeah so a one club man everyone loves a one club man mr martin Noble. Yeah. uh we love him <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah no i love it yeah. and i'm glad he got to see them lift the trophy albeit in dodgy financial, oh of course uh, of course as as a as a as a west ham fan I don't like seeing it, but yeah. Uh, I mean, it it is what it is. Like, I I take beef with it. I also take beef with the Newcastle takeover. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. That's uh, but but it, it's a sport, isn't it? But yeah, but he also like 
helped relations between Germany and the UK when it desperately needed healing. And you football know it, managed it. Yeah. You know, at some point, as he got on and on and on, and like you're approaching so many years playing for them, City fans would be like, look, whatever, we had issues at the start, but he is a fantastic fucking keeper. And you know that at away days, he'll be getting stick, even though mm. he's been in the league for years. And the home fans that are travelled down, like City fans, would be defending him. And they're like, yeah. no, nah, he's, he's one of ours. You fuck off. Like, I'm not having it. Uh, that's, yeah. that, those are some nice moments, you know, when you're exactly. like, no, 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 he's one of ours. You can say what you like, but you can't say nothing about him. Yeah, he he was an easy target, of course, being one of the first foreign players and first to win Player of the Year. But it happens even nowadays with Germany. Like if you go and see England v Germany game, and there's like one German in amongst a, f- a group of English people, they'll get called Nazi because it's like it's easy. It's fucking stupid, but it's just easy for the stupid people to do, even though it, it's it's wrong and means I don't know. They don't understand the connotations that comes with that word. Yeah, yeah. But that was a fantastic episode. I really enjoyed that. That was great. I've got football out my system. The podcast can end now. I've completed it. <laughs> You've completed You're the never podcast. getting another episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you might not get another episode out of James, but you are going to get another episode out of <laughs> me. Uh, that's a good segue. Uh, <laughs> our next episode is going to be a rather interesting yet topical episode. Uh, we are talking about a man known in the UK... As Gary Glitter. You told me this the other day and I just forgot, but I'm glad you said it again. Yeah, (laughs) mad. Yeah. Um, For those of you who don't know, if you're not from the UK, you may not be so familiar with him. um, Go watch The Joker and just watch the sequence on the staircase. That music is so catchy and so good, but it's written by a pedophile. Yeah, he's a bad, bad man. In the news again recently, isn't he? So, yeah, yeah very exactly. topical, so, very timely. Let's get in on this. <laughs> wow. It's a, it's a change of tune, isn't it, from good old Bert Troutman to Gary Glitter. But yeah, that's what people yeah. do. There's no grey area here. This guy's just a dick. Oh, massive, massive, absolute dickhead. But, wow, look forward to that one. Yeah. So that's what's going to be coming soon. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that episode. We uh, noticed that we, at the time of recording, are number 49 in Great Britain for documentary podcasts. That's wild, considering we really don't release episodes as much as we used to. Like, I think that, that's no. credit to our backlog or like, yeah, credit, catalog yeah. that people credit are, people to are the listening. Yep. Credit to the backlog. Uh, you guys are, you guys are recommending. You guys are listening. You guys are reviewing and rating. Like it's working, guys. We are getting up there. We are in the top fifty in the UK. Come on, guys! Like that's uh, an incredible achievement. Um, I'm currently on a course for my work, and uh, I'm, I've just finished day one. Day two will be tomorrow, and we've been asked to bring in something that we are proud of. Now I have two things one of them is our interview that we did with gina it's the first guest we've ever had on the show and it's oh, one of yeah, my that was really nice one of my highlights of doing this show and just in my life in general um and the second one's probably going to be the being number in the top 50 in the uk like fuck yeah man like be proud of that it's shit pretty, it's pretty great considering it uh, all started in a weatherspoons in london yeah exactly um also, another little bit of something to get looked forward to. Obviously, it will be our four-year anniversary coming up soon, which is absolutely crazy that that's even a thing. Um, but four years we'll be doing this podcast. Um, we have something exciting in the works. I have made contact with our resident ripperologist, and we are going to be doing a Jack the Ripper episode for four years. So look forward that's to gonna that. That's going to be really good as well, because it's not just going to be us two talking about research this guy like he does tours around where jack the ripper was active he, he knows all the conspiracy theories anything you could ever want to know and anything you can find on the internet he knows and he knows more so um, i'm thinking actually um now that we've told you guys 
if you guys have any questions that you would like us to ask our resident ripperologist, anything like theories or anything about anyone in particular, if you have any questions, please do send them our way and um, we can put them forward to him and see what he thinks. So I think that'd yeah. be really fun to get you guys in on as well. So yeah, make sure yeah, th- you send us questions. From the sound of it as well, there should be some quite cool visuals from that because I think we're going to meet up with him in London and, and walk around Whitechapel. So that's going to be... Speaking of Whitechapel, I was there the other day because that's where my office is, so this could be really handy. Um, but yeah, it's... it's, it's I, I'm not going to call it a shithole. It's... It's got its nice moments. It's got its nice areas, it, it, sorry. Yeah, it's quirky, I think, is, is the word. But yeah, yeah, look forward to that. But That's going to be really, really cool. So that should come when? June? Summertime, I think? Uh, it's, it's somewhere towards the summer. So once it's nice and warm, yeah, but we're going to get that recorded soon and then it'll be just done and we can schedule that. So yeah, look forward to that coming real soon, guys. Right. Well, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much, James, for doing that. And You're welcome. we will see you on the next one. Goodbye. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.